What is good, everybody, man? Hoping everyone had a good, safe weekend, especially for all the listeners that are down in Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina, man. I had to drive through the storm to get up to Campbell on Friday. So I saw, you know, kind of firsthand just how bad it was, even when it was just a category one tropical storm when I was driving through it, man. So I hope all the I hope, I hope everyone who listens to the show down in Florida was safe. Man. I, uh, my mom is from Tampa. I got a lot of family in Tampa and, and down there in Florida. So hopefully, hopefully everyone you know who support you know down there was was safe and everything like that. Especially if you had to evacuate by chance or anything like that. So I wanted to start the show uh, with some, with something about that. But if I sound a little tired, man, just got back a few uh, probably about two hours ago from Campbell. Had to travel about 11 hours uh for that game and left on thir- left thursday night stayed just outside of atlanta and then made the rest of the trip on friday and uh drove down drove down today uh from campbell man and we're going to talk about that trip a little bit i had a absolute blast man shout out to the sid and coach mentor for for talking with me after the game miles rouser and, and everyone up there who made that experience uh extremely uh worthwhile i will say Listen, it, it, Buse Creek is just as small of a city as you can imagine. But man, the facilities that Campbell has are are, are top notch for being a school of that size. I was talking to the SID; I, I didn't know this. They only have an undergrad enrollment of about three thousand, and the school is extremely small. But man, the the, the field was amazing, man. All turf, and I, I thought the attendance was pretty good, given that you know the night before a tropical storm went right through there, and and, and it was pretty cold in the morning. So I, I had an absolute blast, man, at that game. But listen, week five FCS recap. Y'all know how this works. We're going to go through players of the game. We're going to talk a little bit about some FCS games this weekend, recap our two games of the week, which was Campbell, North Carolina Central, Elon Richmond. And also we're going to do our our HBC recap with four of the games that I previewed uh, last, what was it, Thursday or Wednesday when I did the FCS preview. Also call line 701-779-9585, taking y'all's comments and calls all night, man. Uh, Got got a little bit of time, so however late y'all want to go, we can, we can we can keep this thing going, but hit the like button, subscribe to the channel if you haven't. I have full highlights up of the Campbell North Carolina Central game filmed by your boy. Also, photo gallery dropping tomorrow on the website. I got a bunch of awesome photos from the game. Upgraded a little bit of camera for this game, so uh, really took a step forward in quality. Man, so I'm hoping uh, hoping you guys uh, are enjoying that. But um, let's get into this week five recap. First, I want to get y'all's thoughts, man. Comment your most impressive team or just your main takeaway from this weekend's F, um, FCS game. Uh, and KJ, completely understand. Appreciate you tuning in and hitting the like button before before you uh, before you go hang out with your guy. I definitely appreciate that. But man, comment uh, everything. And let, let me get to this because this game's not this game's not on here. But we need to talk about this. Tennessee State. Losing to Lane College, a D two team, and um, I, I know it was I know it was uh, some uh, classic. I don't remember what the classic was called off the top of my head, but that was embarrassing. And I know I understand that Draylon Ellis was out. I understand they're battling injuries, but I don't see I don't see a lot of teams who lose a handful of players and drop down in that quality of performance. This is a team that 
this is a team that one competed with Eastern Washington, uh, was the top 15 team at the time, a team that competed well for three quarters against Jackson State. And you lose a handful of pieces here or there, and then you go out and you get handled by a Division II school. It, it shows that right now, I don't think Tennessee State has the depth. And I, I think they're, they're right now, that team is one deep. And when you look at some of the top teams in the FCS, what separates really and truly the top like 15, 25 teams from the rest of the FCS is depth. If North Dakota State loses a handful of people, they're not losing to Lane College. If Jackson State loses a handful of people, they're not losing to Lane College. If, um, I mean, pick, pick your team, Incarnate Words, Southeastern Louisiana, if uh, any of those teams, if they lose a handful of players, including their starting quarterback, they're not losing to Lane College. Montana State has been playing without their starting quarterback and their top four running backs and, ju- and just put a beat down on UC Davis and has won multiple ranked matchups. So I'm not using Draylon Ellis or, or whoever being out as an excuse. If you want to be a top FCS program and you want to – and you want to compete for the OVC, which UT Martin looks legit this year. I just, I don't know where you go from here. And I don't know what the outlook or the mindset in the locker room is from a loss like that. And it's inexcusable. It's, it's something that just can't happen. And it, it, it is different. I know everyone's going to say, well, Valley lost to Delta State. I think Delta State is a, is a one, a different animal. And two, Tennessee State should be in a lot better place than Mississippi Valley State right now in terms of just resources, talent, and, and everything like that. I don't think that's a comparable loss. A lot of people expected Valley to lose to Delta State. I don't think there was a single person in that stadium, including the people traveling from Lane College, who really thought that game was going to turn out like it did. Eddie George, I, from what I was told, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what he does now. He already didn't have some of the big booster support behind the scenes, but now I don't know where that program goes. And you're going into conference play without your starting quarterback, potentially without multiple key positions coming off of a division two loss. You're sitting at zero and four. I don't know. I really don't know where Tennessee state goes from here, man. TJ, I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't put that on the slides, but that's, that's something that just can't happen. And I, I don't know. I, I don't want to say Eddie can't coach. I saw some people saying Eddie should be fired. I, it's year two. I understand. I just don't know who does Tennessee State hire that that is better right now than him. I, I, I don't know the answer to that question. So I don't think that he gets fired. But I do think they're going to have to take a long, hard look in the makeup of that program and, and where they're going to go in, in 2022 moving forward. Because they have some really, really tough games coming up i mean even southeast missouri state looks legit in the ovc too so uh, i i don't think tennessee state has lived up to any of the hype that that they were supposed to so far newsflash of the week tennessee state's a, a pretender take away my glad my bulldogs won one one two three andrew ain't it blue you got to start having faith in my bama state hornets hey chris i i definitely do alabama state looks solid because old school baptist pump money into that school <laughs> I like it. Uh, yeah, the John Merritt Classic was was the game that uh, Tennessee lost. I agree. Zero depth at all, Paris. Can anyone tell me who was first in the SWAC West? PV is first, D, in the SWAC West. P- and we're going to talk about that PV game because that was, I love it. Coach Eddie George has to build, and all FCS, HBC football teams have to get their strength and conditioning under control. I, I agree, T. I completely agree. You have to have at least a, at least a two-deep, man. At least a two-deep. Uh, it, in my opinion, it just—I I was really disappointed in Tennessee State. 
Eddie is capable, but on the clock. I agree, KJ. That's a fair criticism. I think the seat's getting warm. It, you have the hot seat, and then you have the the, the turning the heat on, on on a coach, and I think that's kind of where Eddie is. If things don't get turned around quickly, first FAMU, then Tennessee State, and GSU. Now they're going to say JSU should be scared of Campbell. SU is going to win their next game by 40. South Carolina State winning the MIAC. We overreact too much week to week. So I'm going to talk about that um, a little bit later in the show because you know I'll, I'll address it now real quick before we get into everything. I, I think that's just one, Sonny, but that's, that's, that's one of, of fan of reaction. Fans are always going to go with, with what's the latest. And, and that's fine. That's what you're supposed to do as fans. I think some – some people, though, Sonny Boom, early season is a real is, is a real learning experience for a lot of teams because we have preseason expectations that were based on previous years and based on player projections, team projections, things like that. But th- I think the first three to six weeks of the season is always a learning experience from the FBS to the FCS down to D2, D3, wherever you're covering because you get a little bit more information on each team. If I gave you all the answers, it's like studying for a test. If I gave you all the answers for the test, of course you're going to say you were right on everything because you had all the answers. But if I only, if only, how would you do on the test if I only gave you 5% of the info that's going to be on the test or 10% or 20%? So each week you get more, and I think people are really figuring out what these teams are going to be. But I do agree that there is a little bit of overreaction week to week. And it's just because the most recent thing sticks out in people's minds. And, and that's just, that just comes with the territory of sports, uh, Sonny Boom. Eddie George has to do better with depth and recruiting a backup QB. If the Panthers can keep head coach Matt Rule, who is currently 10 and 26, uh, surely these HP. <laughs> that's a good point, T. I like that. Agree, but it's true that we need to clean things up when it comes to fundamentals. Y'all give Eddie time. That was, that was supposed to be their bounce back to get some confidence game. I agree. Um, I th- if I'm uh, that game might not be on here, ben, but I'll go ahead and talk about it. I thought I, I think that was a big win for AT and, and not big in the sense that it wasn't a game that they were not supposed to win. It's a big win because one, it was a conference game, and two, after the after the just horrible opening. Um, or the or the difficult opening games that they had when you look at North Dakota State, you look at um I forgot the FBS team they had they had to go Duke and then you also had to go play Central at that time who was really clicking and motivated to beat you. They had a really tough opening schedule and you go and beat South Carolina State, you win your conference opener. That's important because right now Incat uh, sitting on top of the Big South, I think the team still has some questions at quarterback they got to work through. But man, that run game. Is legit for AT. Tootin is is a whole problem at running back. And as long as as long as their quarterback doesn't lose them the game, I think they have a chance to be in just about every game moving forward on their schedule. The one question I do have though is can the front seven just keep hanging on like they are? And also the transfer they got, the cornerback looked really, really good this week. And I believe he had multiple picks. So I think AT was supposed to win that game. It looked pretty impressive doing it. I think getting an an opening conference win was extremely important for Sam Washington after how tough the uh how tough the season was starting. They jumped ship after a bad loss this early into Eddie's career. I say it's dumb if they went scoreless in four games, but yeah, they just have to build. Once again, I'll take how Coach Prime is building our program. If Eddie George is fired, then Odom's <laughs> I agree. I definitely agree. Um, I, I think it, it's got to be a little bit of both. I don't think you can. Uh, I, I I don't think you can put it on one or the other. 
I, I think it I, you ha both both have to be in conjunction to win. And so I think it's a little bit of both and also just not being able to overcome injuries. Um, and every day we JSU just keep getting new big time recruits and where's everyone else? Uh, someone asked a question on SEC stream. How in the world did Campbell get the number two class? Why were there no HBCs closer to JSU in rankings? I don't know, but listen, uh, Campbell landed two more three stars today too. So Campbell and Jackson State are setting an outrageous pace right now in FCS recruiting. Campbell and Jackson State, two teams that most of the most of the big dogs in in FCS in, in terms of the top twenty five were never really thinking of recently are setting the pace right now. So I'm extremely excited to see what Campbell and Jackson State do over the next few years with all these great recruiting classes because it's going to be Campbell, Jackson State, one and two for the foreseeable future of the way they're both recruiting on, on, on the on the recruiting trail. So I'm excited to see what it looks like. JSU success is going to get several people fired. They built their team to beat JSU. Campbell definitely solidified themselves as the clear team to beat. I agree. Listen, Campbell's the team to beat in the Big South. I think A&T is a close second, though, Chris. Craig Bowl won like five games from 07 to 09 on his way um, out at NDSU. Yeah, uh, there's a, there's some plenty of examples of that. Uh, t Tennessee State, <laughs> do you agree? Texas a needs a new offensive coordinator. Texas, Texas A&M needs a whole revamp, man. I just think Jimbo Fisher, apparently a great recruiter, but not, not a very great coach, man. And I picked Mississippi State. I told everyone Mississippi State was going to win that game. I just don't think a and is very good because they do not have a quarterback, and quarterback is the most important position, man. Howard didn't lose as bad as they thought they, thought they would. We're going to cover that game in just a second. Uh, Bama State looks solid. I think we made too much of the Texas Southern win over SU. No swipe team looked particularly good. Maybe FAMU PB is a little better than Florida Memorial. <laughs> oh, man, he will be back at Tennessee State in a couple of weeks. I'm dead, man. Imagine Coach Dooley leaving Prairie when they still win the SWAC West without him. Th that might happen. We're going to talk. That's one of the games. Um, that's one of the games we're going to talk about because uh, P PV has been one of the more interesting teams to watch. Um, Thus far, Mike Minter played for the Carolina Panthers and was the safety. All things equal, JSU homecoming and a and I'm rooting for Campbell. That's hey, I like they because they play uh they play a and and Jack State back to back both for homecoming. It's gonna be it's gonna be extremely interesting to uh look at that. Uh, Campbell's in uh Buse Creek, North Carolina. Ronaldo, I love when Texas a and loses. Um, imagine having $500 million facilities, boosters, and IL deals, number one recruiting class in the nation. And, and <laughs> Jimbo Fisher's on the hot seat. I will say that. Blasphemy, blue bloods. <laughs> Certain people about to start calling themselves a powerhouse again. Um, Mike Mentor is going to get the Carolina and Virginia market. Uh, I Listen, he's doing his thing up there. UAPBs was missing their three starting linebackers, not saying they would win, but that explains why it was so easy. Um, Aaron, I just broke it all down. It was a disappointing, a very, very disappointing loss right now. Um, I don't know. Uh, it, it should be happening now. It should have happened two weeks ago. It's coming soon. Don't don't worry. It's coming soon. Uh, Harson's going to be on the next flight out, and we'll, we'll see who, we, who who comes in on the returning flight. But real quick, man. Offensive players of the week, um, Lindsey Scott Jr., easily player of the week, incarnate word QB, 
Lindsey Scott Jr. has completely inserted himself back into the Walter Payton Award discussion. Right there with Shador, right there with Tim DeMoret. Lindsey Scott went berserk this weekend, man. 396 total yards, four passing touchdowns, three rushing touchdowns, and completed over 70% of his passes this weekend. I mean, seven total touchdowns this week, this weekend for Lindsey Scott Jr., almost 400 total yards. He he went berserk. This is one of the more impressive performances of the year, man. He he was on fire this weekend. Now, Sean Chambers, a close second, 227 passing yards, 203 rushing yards, man, over 420 yards of total offense, five total touchdowns. And Sean Chambers this weekend against UC Davis averaged 11.3 yards per carry. Sean Chambers is a backup quarterback at Montana State, just to kind of remind you guys. Tommy Malott, the quarterback who led him to the uh, national title game against NDSU last year, got hurt. Sean Chambers is the backup right now. 400-plus yards, five total touchdowns this weekend against the, against the solid UC Davis team. Big time for Sean Chambers. Now, Geno Hess and Jalen Thomas were my two non-quarterback picks. I gave it to Geno Hess, 276, four touchdowns. 11 and a half yards per carry because he set the he set a school record for rushing yards um for, for career man it was a, it was a historic weekend for Gino Hess so I gave him the nod and also he did it over a longer period man but Jalen Thompson five carries for 104 yards and three touchdowns he touched the ball five times and had three touchdowns on those five touches uh, J- listen, Jalen Thomas deserved an honorable mention this week because that's some explosiveness. And we're going to talk a little bit about why his performance was what was so big th- this past weekend. Now, for defensive players of the week, man, Zeke Vandenberg, Illinois State linebacker, 14 total tackles, three and a half for loss and a sack. Illinois State, man, he is the best player on that defense by far right now, all over the field, all, all over the field for the Redbirds. T- Tory Hargrove, Abilene Christian linebacker was my next player of the week. Seven total tackles, three sacks, three tackles for loss, and a crucial force fumble for Abilene Christian in a big win this weekend. And Nathan East, Sanford linebacker, 10 total tackles, a tackle for loss, a sack, and two crucial force fumbles and a big, a huge win for Sanford this weekend over Furman. These guys were my defensive players of the week. And Man, let's get let's break it down some of these games. Um, she said <laughs> Shador Sanders of the Carolina Panthers. I like it. Um, definitely, definitely like it. But at Montana State, UC Davis, this was a big win for Montana State, man, and it was an impressive one. They've been battling injuries. Uh, they've been battling injuries all across the board, and this was a big weekend. I've just talked about Sean Chambers. He was the X factor. Also, Miles Hastings did not look great at quarterback for UC Davis. Their running back, Alonzo Gilliam, is legit, man. 127 and a touchdown. But when you got Sean Chambers doing what he does, it, it's just hard to stop. And I think as long – this team's going to go as far as Sean, Tabor, Sean Chambers can take them. And the interesting question is, if Tommy Malott comes back healthy, who do you roll with at QB1? Do you stick with the hot hand in Sean Chambers, which I do think that's what you should do, or – do you go back to Tommy Malott, who just led you to a national championship last year throughout the playoffs? I think Sean Chambers right now is doing enough to keep the, to keep that starting quarterback job for Montana State, man. But a big win, forty-one to twelve for them. Sam Houston State gets a big win, man. It's, it's been a hard year for Sam Houston. Uh, not a great year. They don't have much to play for. They can't win the conference. Can't be ranked. Can't go to the playoffs. Uh, 
I'm a bad. I, I went backwards on. Um, I, but man, Sam Houston, seventeen to sixteen, and it just came down to who made who made the last mistake, and and that's really what it came down to, who made who made that last mistake, and 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 Sam Houston nor Stephen F. Austin played a very good game. Both teams didn't look overly impressive. I'm gonna I'm gonna be completely honest with you, and it just neither offense was able to really convert, even though they moved the ball fairly well, and. Stephen F. Austin controlled the ball for 35 minutes and just was not able to to do much with it, man. They just they just kept kicking field goals, and field goals aren't going to win against Sam Houston in a game like this. And Sam Houston State's in transition, Mr. Campbell. So they're one of those teams like Jacksonville State that has 85 players on the roster right now, but they're not they're they're not moving to FBS until next year. So it's this is their uh transitional year. But man, Trey Self. Man, Trey Sells had a really tough year. I'm going to be honest. I, I had higher expectations for him. 17 for 34, 239, a touchdown, a pick. And it, Sam Houston's got to find a quarterback. That's the main reason I don't think they've competed. Uh, Shoemaker was 14 for 40 this weekend for less than 200 yards and two picks. If it if it wasn't for Sam Houston just making timely plays, this could have been a blowout for Stephen F. Austin, but kicking field goals, just like we saw with Jackson State, Tennessee State, kicking field goals keep t- keeps teams in the game, and Stephen F. Austin just could not put the ball in the end zone, and one touchdown could have won this game for for, for Stephen F. Austin. But Sam Houston gets to one-point win in the Battle of Piney Woods. Now Chattanooga, comeback kids, man. This game looked like it was – looked like it was damn near over. I'm not going to lie. I was feeling sick. I picked Chattanooga 13 to three in the second half. It was a 13, nothing halftime deficit and Chattanooga absolutely stormed back. And this was, this was an impressive comeback when they put up, they put up almost 400 yards of total offense and they just got it done in the second half. And this is, this is a stat that was disgusting to me. And this this is how you lose a game. ETSU, all they were up by 13 points. You have to be able to keep the other team off the field. They went one for 14 on third downs. One for thir- one for 14 on third down gets you beat 10 times out of 10. You have to be more efficient on third downs if you're ETSU. But you UTC is the running game, man. Over 118 yards rushing. They weren't super efficient with the run, but they stuck to it. And this is what I talk about with teams all the time. If you're a run first team, even if you're only averaging about three, four yards per carry, do not abandon the run, man. Ford, their top running back, had 100 yards, two touchdowns, and 28 carries, averaging about three and a half yards per carry. And that was enough to win them the game. You have to stick to the run if that's what you do. But, man, the chat, the, the, the Chattanooga defense, man, Jay, Jay Pearson went insane. He was he was one of my honorable mentions, man. Ten tackles, three sacks this weekend, a forced fumble. Jay Pearson was all over the field. Ty, Ty Beck, as well at the linebacker spot, was all over the field. This Chattanooga defense is going to be the key to them making a big run into the playoffs. And then on top of that, man, Holy Cross, up not upsetting Harvard, but Getting back at Harvard, man. Harvard beat them last year in in a in a really really tough loss for Holy Cross. But man, Matthew Sulka does it again. Three hundred yards passing, two passing touchdowns while also running for sixty three yards and another touchdown. Matthew Sulka is right there in the Walter Payton Award race. And this came down to they were really able to slow down the Harvard rushing game. Harvard loves to run the football with Aiden Borgett. 
They held him to under 80 yards rushing. Only He got two touchdowns, but they came in goal line situations. And Jalen Coker is making is making his impact and, and making a debate to be one of the best wide receivers in, in the country at the FCS level. 10 catches, 166 yards, and a touchdown. That's the same wide receiver that caught the Hail Mary against Buffalo and the Hail Mary against Sacred Heart last year. He's the number one target, and, and he deserves a lot of respect. And they also did a great job of blocking the front seven for Harvard. They got some of the best pass rushers in, in the country at Harvard. They can get after the quarterback, and Holy Cross really neutralized that, and, and, and Sulka's mobility was a, was a big part of that. And I agree. Listen, Holy Cross is legit. The Patriot League is going to probably have two teams in the playoffs, and it's really going to be interesting to see where Fordham is ranked this weekend because, or, or tomorrow because if Fordham is ranked, the Patriot League is going to have two teams in the top 25 for the first time, and I, I don't know when's the last time that really and truly happened. But real quickly before we get to the games of the week, North Dakota State, 27-14 to 14 over Youngstown. And I just want to say, before we get to anything about North Dakota State, if Jaleel McLaughlin had any sort of help for Youngstown State, Youngstown State would be a playoff team. Jaleel McLaughlin is legit at the running back spot. 150 um, this weekend, 8, 8.8 yards per carry against a really tough front seven for North Dakota State. But they just don't have any quarterback play, man. They just don't have any quarterback play. The quarterbacks between Mitch Davidson and Demetriot Critchall went 11 for 20 combined, 121, was sacked three times and threw an interception. The quarterback play for Youngstown is just too inconsistent. But I will say, Hunter Lipke is the real deal. Hunter Lipke, two rushing touchdowns while on top of that, going berserk in the receiving game too, was their second leading wide receiver again. I don't understand how the fullback game works anymore for North Dakota State, but I just want to say North Dakota State ran a play in the red zone, guys. They put four fullbacks in the game at one time. They put four fullbacks in the game at a single in a, in a single moment, and that is the most North Dakota State thing I think I have ever seen. And I, I, I don't understand how how in the hell – that is still a thing in college football, but four fullbacks. And I don't, I don't even know teams right now that that have more than four fullbacks on the roster. So I just want to say that uh, I just can't believe it. But um, Daryl, I appreciate the donation. Man. I just put the link in the chat uh, right here. And it's also in the bio um, of the video, too, if that doesn't work. But, man, North Dakota State does their thing. I mean, they didn't look overly impressive this weekend, but they just keep winning. And like like Aaron said, the Fargo Express, they're just going they're going to walk this thing they're going to walk this thing to Frisco. North Dakota though, big upset here. Missouri State loses to North Dakota 48 to 31 in a shocking upset. I didn't see this coming especially with how good Jason Shelley played. Jason Shelley 271 three passing touchdowns this weekend. Um but then they neutralized the run game. Uh Jacardia Wright did solid man averaged 8 yards per carry but they didn't give him the ball enough. And then Tommy Schuster had a pretty good game, 267, two touchdowns for North Dakota. And the defense for Missouri State is going to be their Achilles heel. The offense is going to put up 30-plus points a game in most games. The defense can't stop a nosebleed sometimes. And when you look at the Tyler Hoosman averaging nine yards per carry, Isaiah Smith averaging nine yards per carry, Red Wilson averaging four yards per carry, Gavin Zebarth averaging six yards per carry. If you can't stop the run, 
it, you just don't have a chance in the in the Missouri Valley. And right now, when you look at Petrino, the offense it is legit. But they, if you can't stop anyone and they're just going to run it down your throat, you have no shot to beat the South Dakota states of the world, the North Dakotas of the world, the North Dakota states of the world. It, it's not going to bode well for you. So, man, Missouri State was an, a very big disappointment for me. And uh, when you all see my top 25 at the end of the show, I've really reflected that by dropping them a significant amount. And uh, I just think Petrino's really got to look and, and see what he needs to do to, to rebuild this defense. Now, Sanford looks like a legit contender right now in the, in the SOCON. Michael Ayers is legit 228, two touchdowns this weekend, but he was sacked five times. The offensive line was an issue. Jace Wilson for Furman making his first career start. I want you all to listen to me. First career start for Jace Wilson for Furman. He threw the ball 59 times in his first ever start, 329 yards and three touchdowns, no interceptions. It was a it was a hell of a performance for Jace Wilson. The problem is Furman likes to run the football, and Sanford held them to under three and a half yards per carry. None of their running backs hit hit above fifty five yards. And then it, my honorable mention player of the week, Jalen Thomas, touched the ball five times and had three touchdowns on the ground. Jalen Thomas averaged twenty point eight yards per carry this weekend, and that's how you get beat. They also, Chandler Smith at the wide receiver spot, 11, catch, 11 catches for Sanford. But, man, Kendall Dean and Ryan Miller are a problem for, for uh, Furman. But, man, the defense for Sanford was able to get into the backfield, forced two big crucial turnovers, and that was really the difference in the game. And so Sanford didn't expect much for him this season. But, man, I, I was extremely impressed with them. And, Daryl, appreciate you joining the membership, man. Definitely, absolutely appreciate you. But then, finally, before we get to our games of the week, UCA – Pulling off a giant upset over Austin P this weekend, Mike Delelio looked did not look himself this weekend for some reason. He he threw a pick, zero passing touchdowns, was sacked three times, extremely inefficient, and they neutralized his run game, held him to negative fourteen yards rushing. While on the other hand, Will McIlvain finally put it together, four passing touchdowns for over two hundred and sixty through the air. And they finally they they finally found some wide receiving help. Trustin Oliver, Darius Hill out of the backfield really showed up. Christian Richmond and Miles Kit Denton showed up for Central Arkansas this season. And the Austin P defense just wasn't able to to hang with them. And on top of that, Demetrius Charles for Central Arkansas, 12 tackles, two for loss and a sack. Then you also had Logan Jessup on the defensive line. Seven tackles, three for loss, half a sack. Also had a big fumble recovery. They were able to they were able to neutralize Austin P because they were able to get Mike Delilio uncomfortable in the pocket. Did not let him use his legs, and he just and they, they just didn't know what hit him, man. And I, I, this was a big win for UCA. This was a must win for Nathan Brown in that program. They lost a lot of talent this past season. Tyler Hudson transferring to Louisville. They lose their they lose their number one receiver Winningham to the NFL draft. They lose their quarterback to graduation. Overall, man, UCA just looked like the better team, man. They really did this weekend in Austin P. This was a big loss for Scotty Walden. This was a conference loss when it really and truly looked like Austin P was primed to run away with the ASUN and run away with the auto bid for the WAC and ASUN. They do get help that uh, Stephen F. Austin lost this weekend, but man, Austin P really and truly had some has some issues that were exposed this weekend. But man, HBCU recap: uh, we had Sacred Heart Norfolk, which I told y'all that I saw that coming from a mile away. PV Grambling 
FAMU Valley, Yale, Yale Howard. I predicted all these right on the show this past week, but let's let's start with Norfolk. I mean, I don't know what to tell Dawson Odoms. You got to find a quarterback for one. You got to find a quarterback for one. Uh, nine for 19, 118, and two picks for the quarterbacks at, at Norfolk State. Um, that they did okay guarding Mark Marquez McCray, but they were not able to run the football. No, no big rushers. JJ Davis was held to 57 total yards, and they allowed 132 yards rushing to Malik Grant, a touchdown, five and a half yards per carry. And this is a guy that just what two weeks ago, Morgan State shut this team completely down, and Norfolk didn't have any answer. Tyler Long looks legit on the defense, 13 total tackles for them. But the offensive line doesn't look great. The offense looks inconsistent, and they just they just don't have the the it factor right now at any point on any level of their team. They're inefficient on third down. They were over four on fourth down attempts. They they failed to convert on a on a crucial red zone trip. And right now, Norfolk State does not look like they're going to be able to compete in the MEAC. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. Right now, this team looks like it was completely overrated and I would put Norfolk behind Morgan, Norfolk behind NCCU, South Carolina State and we'll see Howard played Yale really well this week and we're about to talk about that one but I, I, right now you could argue that Norfolk's either in the fifth or sixth spot in the MEAC and they did not look super impressive held to zero second half points this weekend and, and that's a telltale sign of no adjustments man the other team made their adjustments and you weren't able to respond. And so Norfolk State drops 31 to 14 to Sacred Heart. And I, I don't know. I don't know where Odoms goes from here. Appreciate you. The HBCU Sports Wire, man. Go check them out. But appreciate you becoming a member. Um, man, Prairie View, though. I told y'all it was coming. I I had zero. I had zero hope for rambling or grambling or ambling now. I don't know how many letters were taken away. But this this was a bad loss for them. 34 to 14 to PV after you just lost to Bethune, after you just got your doors blown off and lost your helmet stickers against Jackson State. It's where does Hugh Jackson go from here? Where and where do they go at this point in time? And it, it you know, hindsight's 2020, but looking back now. I think you see why it was so important to Hugh Jackson to take that chance and try to go hire Art Bryles. And what I mean by that is it's easy to say, okay, well, John Simon, they brought him in after they, after they had to fire Art Bryles or let him go or whatever, however that worked. But there was a reason he took that chance. And there was a reason that initially he was ready to face the backlash. And I just think, it was because he saw how how important it was to really have a strong offensive mind in the building because this offense does does not look good and now they're turning the football over I, if you already are inefficient on, on offense turning the football over is is the easiest way to to get things completely out of hand they still they barely average 4 yards per carry the the passing game was was better than PV's, but PV didn't have to pass the football. That's that's the worst part about this is PV wasn't trying to wasn't trying to do anything crazy, and I I don't know where how to feel about Grambling right now. I, I didn't think they were going to be amazing, but I mean PV had almost forty minutes of possession time. 
you can't you can't do anything on on third down. It's just I don't know I don't know where to put ground, but I'm going to be completely honest with y'all. But looking at PV, they just have they never look. Uh, this is the weirdest thing about PV is PV has not looked elite in any game that they've won. But the thing you can't take away from them is even when they might not be playing a hundred percent or playing a plus football, they're winning. And good teams, even when they don't play well, find ways to win. And I think you're seeing, I mean, PV right now, well, I mean, if you're a PV fan, and I'm going to ask Bubba McDonald the press conference, hopefully I'll be able to get off work in time, you know, uh, with, with my on three work to, to be there this week. I'm going to ask him, like, what would you grade your team? And I would guarantee he's saying that, man, we probably played a B minus game. When you really, when you really break down the film, they, they probably, they probably didn't play their best game at all. And they they still won by they still won by twenty points, and that's something that good teams can do. And so I, I think you've got to give PV some credit. I know people are kind of picking apart the defense and 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 the offense being one dimensional at times, but man, they're still winning, and that's a, that's something that a lot of teams, especially in that division, can't say unless you're Altcorn. So I, I don't know, but listen, Ahmad, the running back for PV, I I love his game. Five, five over five and a half yards per carry, almost a hundred yards in the touchdown this weekend. He's the guy. And at the wide receiver, I think they got some athletes at the wide receiver spot. It's just they don't throw the ball. But man, the defense is all over the field, and they they force turnovers. Man, I believe Grambling had three fumbles and a pick um, that they threw this weekend. Every single game, like TJ said, he took the words right out of my mouth. Every single game, this PV defense looks more and more and more confident. And so by the end of the season or whenever, I, I believe they play, let me pull up the schedule real quick because I, I want to get this right. By the time they play all core, man, this team is going to be rolling. And they they got Southern this weekend. Southern's coming into Prairie View, Blackshear Field this weekend. If they beat Southern, which right now I think they're a better team than Southern, if they beat Southern, man, people got to be on notice. And every every division win that they rack up puts a little bit more pressure on Alcorn too. And I get it. Bubba McDowell wasn't the sexiest hire this offseason. Everyone was looking at the celebrities. Everyone, he was the least known name out of all the hires, maybe outside of Eddie Robinson Jr. this past um this past offseason in the swag. But but damn, man, he's he's out of all the new coaches in the swag, he's he's outperforming everybody. And and he's out here really putting a good team together, and you can't say he's doing it all with uh, Dooley's talent because a lot of the a lot of the talent that Dooley had left with him or graduated, so he's doing this with 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 what's left over. And and I gotta I, I get it. People are gonna say, oh man, they don't look as dominant as Jackson State, or they don't look this or that. P, PV looks legit, and right now they are neck and neck with Alcorn. And the reason I think that game could be a toss up is because this PV defense. If they load the box and make and, and try to make Alcorn State be one dimensional and throw the it could be it could cause problems for Alcorn. And I think PV is a has a great chance to pull off that Alcorn upset. And I think I would not be surprised if you're looking at a PV Jackson State rematch in the SWAC championship. Really and truly. I I, I based on what I've seen thus far, I would not be surprised. But let's see. Uh We'll we'll see what happens moving forward. A big game with Southern this uh this this next week, but man, FAMU doing what they were supposed to do against Valley. Jamari Jones uh, had a 
all, all right day. I mean, he was sacked six times, man. But Musa, two, 291, two passing touchdowns. They did all right. I mean, the, the thing that I was a little bit disappointed, I'm not going to lie, was FAMU. FAMU is not as efficient on offense as I thought they should have been. And I know it seems I'm kind of nitpicking, but, man, you've got to average more than three yards per carry against Valley, man. You, you've got to run the football better, especially with how good McLeod and Jennings and, and all these guys are. On top of Musa going 26 of 45, I just thought they would be a little bit more efficient and, and really establish their game more. But, listen, Xavier Smith, legit. 13 catches, 128, two touchdowns. He's that guy. And I like what Cherie did. Um, as well th- as well through the air, but I I, I thought I, I did want FAMU to look a little bit more impressive. Isaiah Land two tackles for loss, a sack, had a forced fumble and a fumble recovery. Really, that that's been his best performance this year. But it was it was a game that I think FAMU won. They were supposed to win, and I, I'm just going to leave it at that. I think, but they they put a 400 yards of total offense on them, and man, we'll we'll see what happens. But I'm not going to break down that game too much. Everyone knew what was going to happen, but. Howard Yale is the is the final HBCU game. Here's what I'll say. If if Howard can find a quarterback, man, this team could be pretty solid. It really could. It man, it it kills me. It it kills me how good this team possibly could be if if they had a quarterback. Quentin Williams 226, two interceptions. He went 23 for 42. He just he just was not efficient. Yale's quarterback wasn't either. But the problem is, Yale ran the football straight down Howard's throat. Three hundred and sixty six rushing yards, three touchdowns, and I just want I want y'all to hear this stat as loud as clear because I thought it was a lie. Yale averaged nine point two yards per carry as a team. As an entire team, they averaged nine nine point two yards per carry against Howard's defense. They, they could not stop Yale uh, r- running the football. 12 tackles for Hamilton Moore for Yale. Um, absolute impressive performance. But Casey Hawthorne and Antoine Murray did their thing, combined for 13 catches over 150 yards. They just don't – I just don't think Yale has – I mean, uh, Howard has enough consistency at quarterback to compete. We'll see if they can re- find a way to replace Quentin Williams next year, but that team has a hard ceiling – if they want to go any further with that quarterback play. Oh, man, the two games of the week, obviously. Man, let me start with Elon, because I know the Campbell game is probably going to have um, the call lines buzzing. Oh, let me get to Mr. Ford real quick. Mr. Ford, you're live. Yep, loud and clear, man. championship program in football okay she's a cpa she's a lawyer she has a phd in business but she don't know nothing about running no football program and i've told y'all over and over winning starts in the president's office and then it goes to the ad then one second well hang on one second mr ford that they can't okay they can hear you now my bad um they can can hear me now yeah they got you now okay did you hear what i said about dr glenda glover i did but the people in the chat didn't. Okay, so you can let, say me, that again. let me repeat it again, guys. 
Dr. Glenda Glover is the president of Tennessee State University. As long as she's president, they will never be a championship program. Always remember, winning starts in the president's office. It goes to the athletic director's office and then to the coaching staff. Now, I know everybody's saying that Gramlin looked terrible last night, but here, here's my take from it. I think we found a quarterback, this Julian Calvez, the kid from Orlando. That's our quarterback, and I love them two freshman running backs. Now, I don't know what's going on with this Maurice Washington. Is he still on the team? Is he still hurt? What's going on with him? Uh, somebody please tell me. Okay. Bubba McDowell is giving uh, Prairie View a championship format. For all of you who were, was worried about what Bubba knows, y'all got to remember, Bubba McDowell played for Buddy Ryan. Did y'all remember who Buddy Ryan is? Buddy Ryan redefined defense. Okay? He played for Buddy Ryan. He knows what to do. He's telling them, establish a strong running game, throw when you have to, play solid defense and solid special teams. Now, one, the, the, the worst thing about Grambling last night, and that's my school, is that we our, our special teams was terrible last night. I don't know who's running the special teams at Grambling, but it was awful. Okay, let me go on. Uh, I'm expecting a sellout next week as uh, – Alabama State entertains Jackson State for their homecoming. I believe they can they can go between thirty three thousand to thirty five thousand, and I do believe that Jackson State will blow them out. All right, another big game for me. I'm going to be watching. Southern goes to Prairie View. Okay, that's going to be interesting. I see it's it's a tournament now in the East. I mean in the West. Okay, the tournament is between Southern, Prairie View, and Alcorn, and it's a, a tournament of elimination. Now, whoever wins this game between Southern and Prairie View will move on. The other team will be eliminated. Now, Blue, you know last week you were saying, like, don't nobody care about Georgia Tech and all that. Let me just say this to you. I watched Georgia Tech and Pitt yesterday. This guy, and I heard he's your homeboy. He's from Alabama. This Brent Key, he's the interim head coach. That guy is a championship coach in the making, man. Now, I don't know if uh, – I'm going to watch him. I'm going to watch him the rest of the season. Now, I don't know if Georgia Tech is going to make him the – uh, head coach, because I'm, I'm hearing that they're really interested in, in this guy out there at Coastal Carolina. But this guy right here, Brent Key, this guy's good now. I watched him very closely last night. And uh, let's see, what I think that was about uh, everything I had, Blue. Okay, well, Blue, uh, y'all have a good night. Oh, oh, somebody said, ask Mr. Ford about the MEAC teams. Oh, let me just tell you this, man. Uh, y'all got to understand about Dawson Odom. Dawson Odoms is a guy who's into the triple uh, option. He He's not about the spread offense. He's not about – see, he learned from them people down there at Georgia Southern. If, y'all, if you, ever, you ever do his history, he spent a lot of time down at Georgia Southern. He likes a triple option offense, and that's been his problem. He doesn't have that triple option type quarterback that he needs, and that's why he's having problems up there. Now, here's the thing about uh, Prairie View. I mean, I'm sorry, about Norfolk State. Norfolk State should be a powerhouse in that uh, MEAC. And let me tell you why. There are so many athletes in Virginia, especially in that Tidewater area. Y'all got to remember, out of the Tidewater area came Allen Iverson, Michael Vick. Do y'all remember Alonzo Mourning? Do you remember uh, that linebacker for the Giants? What was his name? Um, Lawrence Taylor. 
all of them people are out of the Tidewater area. There's enough athletes in Richmond, in uh, the Tidewater area, for uh, Norfolk State to be dominant. They, they, are, they are underachieving, okay? Uh, so I'm just going to end it right there, Blue, because I know you got a lot of um, calls. But uh, oh, did no, you want to ask me anything before I go? Uh, yeah, someone asked how you felt about Campbell's performance this weekend over Central. Oh, that defense is dominant. I'm, I'm like y'all. Now, one thing you're not supposed to do in, in sports, and Blue, you know this, you're never supposed to look ahead. The most important team is the next team. Now, they got to put their attention on Alabama State. Do not look ahead. I've been in athletics long enough to know. Don't do that. That's how you get your behind whooped. Okay? So right now, now the fans can do it. You and I can do it as prognosticators and all that. But Jackson State's team needs to have their attention on uh, Alabama State. I think they will. I mean, knowing knowing how prom is and that coaching staff, I, I don't think they're even started sweating Campbell right now as a team. And and Campbell's okay, got yeah. Campbell's got two big conference games before Jackson State, so I don't even think Campbell's focused on Jackson State right now. No, and, and let me tell you something. I, I was very impressed with that defense, and and uh, you know I met uh, Mike Mentor. See, I I remember when Mike Mentor was on the staff at Johnson C. Smith. He was a good man. Had a chance to talk to him. Uh, I personally, I think Mike is going to eventually leave uh, Campbell. He's going to be on the staff of some Power 5 institution. Uh, but he's a good guy. He's a real good guy. He he, he played for uh, Tom Osborne. He was out there during the, the, the glory days at Nebraska. That he, He's from there. Yeah, I, I'm hoping he gets okay. an opportunity. Okay, Blue, y'all have a good night here. Yeah, you too. Okay. Nine eight six eight. you're live. Yo, what up? What's good, man? Hold on a second. I stopped that. Right. Um, <clears throat> are you surprised about the Central Campbell score? Yes. Okay, I didn't predict the game because I, I don't I don't like predicting games I cover because it made it really awkward. Won't say the the school, but one of the first three games I covered and predicted it made it awkward because I went to that school to cover the game, but. I stopped predicting it. I thought Campbell could win. Campbell was a six-point favorite, but man, forty-eight to eighteen was a, a beatdown that I didn't see coming, and I knew it was going to be bad. I was on the sideline, and when they went twelve plays, eighty-plus yards, and ran the ball right down Central's throat, I said, "Oh boy, it, it's going to be a day," because they did not have the size to hang with Campbell. And yeah, I ain't gonna lie. I never seen most of those teams play, but I watched it. I woke up. I made sure I my timer. I'm a night shift guy. So I woke up. Like, I'm going to wake up in the middle of the day and watch this game. Um, I wasn't expecting that. Um, from what I heard, you know, so I never seen Central play. I never seen Campbell. Um, but I will say is that Central defensive line wasn't even touching Campbell. I mean, the size comparison alone is like technique. Like they were just getting engulfed. Like you know, they're making contact. <laughs> it, it was it's pretty bad. You know, you offensive line guy, so you exactly what I'm talking about. And that I was mean, technique wise, you know, it, they they were on point. And uh, and I, I've heard this 
um, a few times. I pulled the comment up where there are some central fans out there who are saying that there was not a size difference. It was a tempo different. I disagree. Here's, here's what I mean by it. There was a size difference and the tempo exasperated the problem where you didn't have the size to hang and they were running tempo. So once you get tired, that size issue becomes a glaring issue. And I was told by the associate head coach of Campbell that statistically they have the biggest weight, you know, by weight and height, they have the biggest offensive line in FCS statistically. And, and, and you know what? Usually I'm not in favor of a big, heavy offensive line because um, usually they can't move at this level. Like, you know, you talking about big offensive line in Alabama, Georgia, they can move at the FCS level. Usually they can't move. Those guys are moving pretty good. Um, you, you know what's and, scary? And, I was there. And there was a kid that walked out of the tunnel. And I was looking at him, and I asked the um, AD. I was like, who was that? He was like, that's a true freshman. That true freshman was 6'8", 340. And I said, Jesus Christ. I was like, that's sitting on the bench? And he was like, oh, yeah. He was like, we've been recruiting. Hey, that's the funny thing. People, like, you got to – people come off the line moving. We're not talking about the 40. We're talking about three, four yards. We're talking about can you pull – and can you get to that next level of your blocks? And your, can you pass the ticket? That's really what we're talking about, all this line mobility. Um, but, like, if you saw Sissel's defense on end, he looked like he was about 200 pounds, and that was rocks in his pocket, and a soaking <laughs> wet. I mean, and, I, I think I, there was one guy, that the D-tackle, I don't remember his name, number zero, on Central, the D-tackle was the only defensive lineman that even looked like he belonged on the field with them. I mean, it literally looked like you took – let's take it to you football. It looked like you took a 13-year-old offensive line and you put them in like <laughs> eight-year-old peewee football. It just was not fair. That's exactly how it looked. Now, um, I, I'm going to be critical on Central. I didn't see enough. They didn't got enough blitzes for me. Like, you won't get no pressure with your, your, your front four. That was not happening. Um, I think you should battle some more pressures. Um, and blitzes. Um, that's 48 to 18. I'll be real with you. You at the game. That, it's actually probably was worse to that score. It's like, yeah, 400 yards offense at halftime. So, um, Campbell did. I was sitting on the sideline and on the scoreboard when for the TV timeouts were, were, they were updating the stats. And I was sitting there about two or three minutes before halftime, and I was like, there's no way they had that many yards, right? And he was like, no, we up that we update that live. And I was like, oh, man. And, and here's what they did. I was going to break down the game in a second, but Campbell's defensive strategy was genius. And I say this, this is exactly why Central had no chance at beating Jackson State because all Campbell did – is say, we don't think you can run the football. We're going to play man-to-man. We're more athletic than you on the back end of our defense. We're playing man-to-man, single high safety. Our DNs are going to get up the field. We're going to rush the passer. But when you have nowhere to go, you're not using your legs. And so they made Davis Richard a pocket passer, and that's the easiest way for Central to get beat. If you take away Richard's legs – they have no shot, and they didn't have any athletes at wide receiver that were better than the corners and the safeties for Campbell, and that's why they started picking them off. They could not run the football efficiently, and Campbell took away 
the number one thing they had, which was Richard's mobility. I agree with that analysis a thousand percent. I mean, you look at the winner and go routes, the, the, the corners, the deepest backs are, are like when they strive for a stride with them. Unless you're a pinpoint accuracy quarterback, and that's, that's even even then, that's still a hard throw. You know what I'm saying? So, Central's quarterback is not that guy. Even, you know, like, she do have a trouble making her. If she was on the side of a child to give us a bag, that's, that's just a hard throw. Tom Bader, you know, that's, that's what you want. You want them to be the difficultest throw possible, a.k.a. the 50 50 ball. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now, now, that's when your receivers are athletes that come to the play. Like, okay, there's a chance that he's going to beat him on this 50 50 ball. You know what I mean? And it doesn't help. I don't think people who haven't played football don't understand how demoralizing it is when they get a 12 yard, 80 something yard drive, and then your offense goes a quick three and out. Then you're back out there and they continue to run the ball down your throat. I don't think people really and truly understand the mental, like, toll that takes on the defense is when you have a team. They, and, and like Mike Mentor said he, in the press conference, he said we were bigger than them, and we just said we're bigger and more physical than you, and we're going to run it down your throat. And the, I think the defense got a bit shell-shocked, and when you're sitting there and it's 17-21 nothing, man, that's tough as a team, as a run-first team like Central, to come back from that, especially on the road. Uh, <laughs> I agree. Hey, like, you know how you make them understand it? Pretty much like this. It is like you're getting somebody is taking your um, when you get paid, someone is taking a portion of your check before you even see it. <laughs> That's what it feels like when someone goes a 12 yard, 80 yard drive and they come back, you're three and out. They just treated them like the schoolyard bully. They were just pushing them up against the fence, pushing them up against the fence, and you just can't do anything. You, you can't swing on them. You, you, like you weren't big enough to do anything back, and I, I was impressed. And also, every time they stopped Campbell, Hodge Malik would get out of the pocket and make some ridiculous play downfield with his legs or throw it up to the tight end, and he would catch it in triple coverage. It was just – even when they executed, that it, it didn't turn out in their favor. So it was just – I don't think Central's a bad team, and I think that's goes back to what I talked about earlier about people sure. overreacting. Central's going to be fine. It was just – Campbell played their best game. They were a bad matchup for Central, and things got out of hand. I, I still don't think Central is a bad team, and I know some people are 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 swinging both ways where they're giving Campbell too much credit and they're taking everything that Central went away from. And New Hampshire potentially could get top 25 votes again this week, and they beat that team by multiple touchdowns. This team is legit. It was a bad matchup, a tough road game, and it, it happens. Everyone, everyone gets their ass beat sometimes. Let's just keep, put it simple. Hey, I mean, like, um, if you ain't never lost a fight, you ain't been in a fight. So you know what I'm saying? So you need to shut up. Uh, but you know, like, it wasn't the gift game plan, and definitely was a bad matchup. Um, you know, taking nothing away from. Kevin's offensive line, you watch the game. Now, um, I was, I, you know, I'm a Jack State fan, you know, all day, every day. Uh, I'm not necessarily worried about Campbell's defense. 
I think we're going to support a lot of those matchups. We're going to cover one zero Jack State. You know, that's not going to be that's going to be a problem for them. Um, offensively, the offensive line. That's what I'm kind of I'm kind of excited to see this matchup. I want to see how what we deal with that offensive line. How we how we match up with that. Like you know, they bigger than us. Jack State defensive line is, you know. We have one true defensive tackle, maybe two. A lot of guys like around 280. A lot of big defensive ends playing tackle, you know. I'm kind of interested in that matchup. What, what are you – I mean, looking <laughs> two, three games ahead, what do you think? Um, I, I think it, the, the question becomes is how does Niles Gaddy, Doyle, and them hold up the, the question that because I think Devontae Davis, True Thompson will be back. I think Jackson State has the size of defensive tackle. The question becomes, how do the DNs hold up? And I think that's that's where Central got exposed. The defensive tackles for Central had the size, but I, I don't think that I don't think the ends did, and it caused some holes off tackle and things like that that Campbell was able to exploit. I think that I think Jackson State matches up with Campbell a lot better than Central did because you have a quarterback that can throw. And Richard, when you don't, and also Jackson State has to match up at wide receiver where your wide receivers can handle man on man press. Central's couldn't. They did not know what to do when Campbell was up in their face. But if you go press Dallas Daniels, if you go press Malachi Wadman, if you press um, any of the other wide receivers in there, you better be ready to cover because if you miss an assignment, Jackson State's going for six. And so I think the explosiveness of Jackson State's offense is going to be key where you saw this weekend, Central didn't produce any explosive plays really. They could not stretch the field vertically with their passing attack, and that's something that Jackson State can do extremely well. Um, I, I'm agreeing with that. Like, like, um, Jackson got a Jackson got the best receiving core in the FCS. I mean, that's not. I mean, that's just overkill. Um, but I, I, I am the offensive line is kind of being a pretty. I like, I like, you know, I'm not. A, I, I play defensive end, so I kind of like looking at linemen sometimes too. And I agree that uh, that Central defensive end, he's like he was about 200 pounds soaking wet. You know, um. But off that subject, uh, what do you feel about that Harvard Yale game? What did you watch it? Um, the, you mean the yeah, this is, yeah, the Howard Yale game? I just broke down uh, just a minute ago. I mean, I just think Howard's got to get um, a quarterback, and they also can't allow nine yards per carry against a really, really good Ivy League opponent. But, man, um, I appreciate you calling in, man. I'm going to finish up uh, recapping these games, but I definitely appreciate you calling in with these good questions. All right, take it easy, bro. Yep. Hey, hey, last question. Oh. Uh, Calvin, just put your next question in the chat, man. My bad. I didn't mean to cut you off there. Just put your uh, put your put your final question in the chat. Uh, Paris. So Campbell's two losses. One was to an FBS school, which I don't I don't count. I, I don't hold any FCS school accountable for losing to an FBS school, really and truly, especially a team like Campbell. Their other loss was to a really good William & Mary team, and what happened was Campbell was playing well, and they they turned the ball over, and then all, all hell broke loose, to say the least. So I just think it, 
Campbell cannot turn the football over. And when they do, they, they lost to a really good William & Mary team on the road. So uh, that's how that's how they beat Campbell. I mean, I don't think anyone's saying um, Campbell's unbeatable, and uh, I, I've, or at least I haven't heard that. So we'll see. Uh, I don't know if Davis is playing this week. Hopefully uh, that gets answered in the press conference tomorrow. Uh, that's, that's the question. Yeah, Campbell was also coming off a bye week. Offensive line for Campbell, all of them are 320. Terry, I don't know if you're just trolling. I, it could just be trolling. Um, no one's painting Campbell as unbeatable or questioning Jack State's ability. Um, and winning traditionally does not have make any difference in this year. Uh, so I I don't I don't know what the, I got to stop I got to stop addressing all the comments. But yes, t- hashtag Tim Demorat for Hosman Ao hashtag Tim Demorat for Hosman. I tweeted it out this weekend. Um, but man, real quick, Elon Richmond, st- extremely competitive game. Double overtime and uh, Elon, I think I'm not going to say lucky, but man, Richmond played a hell of a game and 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 had and had a huge opportunity to win this game. And they put up over 500 yards of total offense and still didn't come away with the win, man. Uh, But man, Reese Udinsky, 58 attempts this weekend, 383 and two touchdowns. Matthew McKay, efficient as well, three touchdowns, 322 yards. Dykes for Richmond had a, had an amazing game, but it just came down to who made the plays in overtime, and it happened to be that Elon made the made the big play in overtime, and, and that's what separated this win. So um, Elon gets a huge win. My rankings on the next slide. Elon jumped a big way because a win over Richmond was a giant giant step for this program in improving that uh and improving that they're a legit playoff contender. Man, what's good, Zoe? What's good, man? Uh, let's see. Campbell got the number one FCS recruiting class. While the Hyatt, they should be ranked. They still they got to win another game for me. They were an honorable mention for me. I still want to see them beat a conference team right now. Um, so I want to see. I mean, so let's get to this Campbell game. Um, I, I, T, I'm sure you watched the press conference. Miles Rouser is the four star safety um, that was in the press conference. Miles Rouser is legit. I, I, he earned every single four star that he had on his ranking this weekend. Seven tackles, a pick was all over the field. And as a true freshman, Miles Rouser played both safety spots, slot corner, and even played some time at the boundary corner. And I, I got to give Miles Rouser a lot of credit for a true freshman to be able to play so many positions on a defense and be the leader, like Mike Mentor talked about. I got to give, uh, I got to give him a lot of credit, man. Miles Rouser was stuck out when you watched the game. And I mean, he was everywhere and that kid is going to be legit. And just a little tidbit of information, like behind the scenes, um, you know, Miles came in first for the press conference and uh, coach mentor came in after. And he said, man, I always knew, excuse me. I always knew one day miles would be sitting next to me at one of these press conferences. He just, he, he loves that kid, man. And, He's, he he looked at him and said, at "Next one of these next press conferences I sit with you at, it's going to be because you're an NFL draft pick." And he really and truly believes that uh, Miles Rouser is going to the next level, and he has all the talent in the world to to do that. Uh, Travis will be will be back for sure. Um, I I I don't think. I don't think anyone said that they weren't. I think when you're the top, when you're a top ten team in the country, you're a challenge for everyone. I didn't think that had to be. I don't think that had to be said. <sighs> Jesus Christ, man. Um, 
not not pulling up those comments. Anyway, Miles Rouser first to go to Arkansas. He's absolutely legit. He's too good right now. Yeah, Miles Rouser was the four star that flipped from uh, Arkansas to uh, to Campbell, and man, he's living up to all the hype. But man, Campbell forty eight to eighteen. It this this game thirty four to six at halftime. Thirty four to six, man. This this game. <laughs> I can't – I just can't – I mean, Campbell had 33 first downs, 315 yards rushing, 6.3 yards per carry, five rushing touchdowns, and still threw for 250. I mean, he, they put up almost 600 yards of total offense, and as a team, averaged over almost seven yards per play this one. And this was the most telling stat, too. And this this speaks to being able to run the football and keeping your team in third and short and – 10 for 15 on third down and that was the and that was really the I would I would say the nail in the coffin for for Central. They could not get them off the field because Campbell was consistently in third and ones, third and twos and you see on the highlights that I posted that they weren't all they weren't all the explosive plays. They were just able to grind it out and then they would hit a big run or Haj Malik would get out of the pocket and make a big play. It, it just came down to I don't think Central had the depth, nor was expecting the physicality that Campbell brought to the game. And when you look at Bryant Barr, who has really been a breakout player for Campbell this year, he came into his senior year, had his first ever 100-yard uh, game against the Citadel Week 1, 135 this weekend, a touchdown. Aquarius Rogers put up 78 in the touchdown. Haj Malik did his thing. Lamega McDowell had two rushing touchdowns this weekend. And the matchup nightmares, though, you got to give a lot of credit to Julian Hill. Julian Hill is a matchup nightmare for this for anyone who plays Campbell. Julian Hill is the tight end. He has the size to be an absolute load for people. 6'5, 250 can line up outside like a um like a wide receiver, can be in the box and block. He's able to he's able to fit every I mean, he he's able to fit anything you need, and he's great at one-on-one coverage, made a huge play against Central this weekend when Hodge League needed someone to go to. But you got you got to give a lot of credit, man, to, to the front seven, too. Brevin Allen, C.J. Tillman, Josh Johnson was able to play in the backfield against Central, forcing, really and truly forcing Richard to get out of the pocket, and they kept a spy on him, and they weren't he wasn't able to use his legs. Davius Richard only had 37 yards rushing, had a touchdown late in the game that, that, he, that he got on the QB sneak, but they held him to three and a half yards per carry. And as a team, held Central under 100 yards rushing in this game. So it was just a great strategy. But like I said, I think this was a horrible, horrible matchup uh, for Central. If you had to create a team that was just a bad matchup, it's go, it, it, it was this game, man. It, it, it was this game. This, this was just not a great matchup. Campbell came out, punched him in the mouth, and you got to give Campbell a lot of credit. And Mike Mentor was extremely vocal about, listen, we knew we had the size advantage. And anyone, okay, so I, I, I know, listen, I love my guy Josh on, on Twitter, man, big central fan, host of HBCU Nightly. He was adamant that there wasn't a size difference between the offensive line and defensive line. And my thing is, both head coaches spoke about the size difference before and after the game. Trey Oliver in the in the MEAC press conference this week said, the, the issue I see is the offensive line is too damn big. And it was too damn big this weekend. And that's just how it is. So I, I don't I think the size thing might be 
blown a little bit too much. But man, when you have size and you have to deal with tempo and all that momentum swings on in, in the other direction on the road, it's just a recipe for disaster, man. But I, I don't think we should overreact to one way or the other. I still think Central is the favorite to win the MIAC. I think Campbell has been you know, throughout this season the uh, it listen it they're the favorite to win the Big South. I'm sorry, I I don't try it's because they A and T does not have the quarterback right now to face this Campbell defense. Campbell is going to load the box and they are going to make whoever plays quarterback for 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 A and T throw the football, and, and they're going to have no shot against the secondary. I'm uh, just based on what I've seen right now. So Campbell should win the Big South Central. Still my favorite in the MIAC. We'll see how they match up against South Carolina State, but I think that's where we should leave it right now. We'll see. Campbell's got two big conference games before the Jackson State game. Jackson State has two big conference games. Central opens up conference play next week. They're, they're getting ready to play South Carolina State in the next few weeks. We'll we'll, we'll figure it out. And so I think um, I think you gotta you gotta tone back your your like expectations. Like every game can't be a you know like a, a this 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 is the team's ultimate comparison point so just man each week like i said earlier it's like studying for a test each week you get 10 15% more info on a team and you're going to be able to better place that team this week we find out Campbell is pretty damn good and we found out central has some holes and we'll see if anyone's able to you know expose those moving forward it's pretty damn good Coach Green, you're live. All right, what's up, man? What's good, man? Man, what's going on with Murray State? I mean, Missouri State. They ain't got a defense, and they ain't got an offensive line. And those are two two things that if you don't have in the MVFC, you got an issue. Because, man, they came out hot. And other than the Arkansas game, I thought they were going to keep winning for a while. I, but, like I don't know. It. You know how Petrino is. Petrino just yeah. cannot build a defense for some reason. Yeah, score a lot of points. And don't worry about the defense. Yeah, they, yeah. And um, what you thought of the PV game? Um, I talked a little. I talked about it earlier. I I get it. People are going to pick apart on the weaknesses of PV because there are some because I've I said this earlier, they haven't looked a hundred percent or played an A plus game yet this year. But the scary part is they haven't played an A game and they just keep winning. And they keep mm-hmm. winning fairly impressively in good teams find way to a find ways to escape with the W even when they don't play well. So I think PV is a legit threat and it and I, right now I think they have a really, really good chance to beat Southern next weekend. And I think they should be the favorite going into that game. Yeah, it should be. It should be going to the Southern game. But, you know, like you know, like I was telling my boy Scotty, man, I was like, hey, the quarterback is not that bad. The only thing they do is he manages the game. That's what he does. And when he has to throw, he's going to throw. But if they can run the ball, they're gonna run the ball. That's that's what I saw. What you think about that? Yeah, the biggest thing because you know at Swag Media Day, Dooley said he doesn't want a game manager. He wants a he wants a guy to go win the game. Bubba McDowell's the complete mm-hmm. opposite. 
I just need my quarterback not to lose the game because we have a good enough team right now where as long as he doesn't give the other team more possessions, doesn't ruin solid drives, we can escape with a field goal, possibly a touchdown in scoring positions, we win. Mm -hmm. I trust my defense enough. We have a great run game. We got athletes at wide receiver when we need to use them. And we might not look, we don't might, we not might, we might not be Jackson State beating everyone by 40, 50. But guess what? We might win by 10, 20 some weeks. And guess what? Mm -hmm. We're going to be in the same place they are, which is potentially the SWAC championship. Yeah. And, you know, that's why, that's why I always say, you know, I wanted to see what would have happened if Conley would have played the whole game against. UIW, I just wanted to see what would happen if you'd have played the whole game instead of getting knocked out early in the first quarter. That's a what-if game. Um, yeah. you know, I don't think they win. It, it might have been a little bit closer, but I'm not faulting PV for losing that game. I mean, Incarnate Word, at the end of the day, yeah. is probably beating everyone else in the swag. Outside of yeah. maybe Jackson State, but they're beating every other swag team by double digits. And, and that's a fact. Yeah. And they and PV defense kept it close for a while. Yeah, especially early that they 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 had incarnate word on the ropes, and you know Lindsey Scott went out late in that game and things like that. So it could have been a little bit more out of hand if if the starters played the whole game. But I, all that matters is they're winning, and if they beat mm -hmm. Southern, it's going to put a lot of pressure on Alcorn because I don't think people talk about this enough. The more division wins that they start racking up, I it, Alcorn's going to start looking across the way and say, "Damn, if we don't start winning, we might not even when we play them. It might not even be for the division. They could lock it up before we play them if we don't if we don't <laughs> handle our business." So they're putting pressure on Alcorn to keep up, and they just keep slowly racking up swack wins. Mm hmm. Well, your boy Davis uh won a game, man. Huh? Man, what, I, what did you I, listen, it's so it's so weird because neither of neither team looked great, but like we just talked about, you just you just keep winning. And Davis and Alabama State found a way to win, and you got to give Eddie Robinson credit because yeah. with how bad A and M looks, that that streak in the Magic City Classic. Could could flip real fast. Yeah. Now A and M, I think they found the running back that was better than the running back that hit the transfer portal. Man, he looked good, didn't he? He looked yeah. legit. And he's bigger. Yeah, he's got a lot of size on him. I mean, he's a bowling ball. He he he's. I think I don't know. I got to look at the stats. He might be bigger than Wilkerson. E five eleven. Yeah, E five eleven. Because he's just got some size on him, man, and he's hard to take down, and that's a good thing. I mean, he. The thing is, you the worry with Quarles is is anyone going to go out there and say I'm the number one running back now? And mm -hmm. I think he he made a convincing statement that says, "Listen, we don't need another running back. You got me." And that's that's more than you can say about the quarterback performance because they've been waiting what really? five weeks for someone to win the quarterback battle, and they still. Don't have someone they feel comfortable with. Yeah, it still don't. And, and that running game, I guess, main of Francis Farmer, he said he's going with the big back and the big back running running the ball. And, you know, 
and the quarterback managed the game, and he won like that. And I don't know why Crow was in the portal, but it, it looked like it was a blessing in disguise. Well, he only had one year left, so he's probably saying, he's probably saying, let me save my eligibility, transfer before I lose it, because he played four games. So now that he transferred, mm-hmm. he keeps his eligibility. He can transfer to what he feels like is a better opportunity, a better whatever, and he gets to, he gets to play one more year, and maybe he earns a, a a good opportunity moving forward. So I never fault anyone from transferring, but I'm not yeah, surprised I mean, that yeah. it happened when it did. Yeah. So, uh, with, who Alabama and them got next? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. Let me look it up. Whoever it is, uh, they got to win. They got to make yeah. up some. Yeah, they got to yeah, make yeah. up some ground. Yeah, and um, as, and then back to Alabama State. Oh, uh, they got Grambling. No, they got Grambling next Dunn week. Oh, they got Grambling. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, Alabama State. That boy Dunn, small but explosive. Yeah, they got some. They got some really good athletes over there. It's just. I, I don't think the team overall gets a lot of respect, but we'll we'll see how they nah. look this weekend. Most definitely, most definitely. But uh, I think about Davis though. He, he, yeah, he's showing a lot of potential with each and every game. Do you feel that same way? Yeah, I mean he's got to get comfortable, and you know then the injury I think set it back even more, where it, mm. it even lowered his his learning curve or whatever you want to put it as. So I think each week he's going to get better. The problem is he's starting to just pick up momentum and they got Jackson state next week. And you saw what happened to the momentum that Valley was building at the quarterback spot. It could be worst case scenario next week. If he doesn't play well, you're going to be interested to see what game plan they use defensively against Jackson state though. It doesn't matter. Uh, just just be honest, coach. That team is so much more talented that they could come out and have an average scheme and they might squeak by. Listen, J- Jackson State's going to smoke them. Uh, I'm just going to be honest with you. Who do you think got the best chance? In the swag or on their schedule? In the swag. Alcorn, probably. Alcorn. Okay. But well, the, uh, that's all I can for you. Hey, I appreciate you, Coach Green. He's doing a good job. Appreciate you. Uh, but Zoe, I'm waiting on the, the email back from Alabama State, but I should be in Montgomery. I should be in Montgomery this weekend. Um, I'm gonna go eight nine eight nine four five and then six two two five. Eight nine four five, you're live. What's going on, blue? This doc right here, man. What's good, man? Hey, I got a couple of takes for you. Um, let's see. SFA hasn't beaten Sam Houston in all, over a decade. And it's going to stay that way because that was the last uh, Battle of the Piney Woods game um, for the foreseeable future. Um, uh, Prairie View's defense uh, looks uh, look, pretty much legit uh, from what I saw in person. Uh, 
um, this past uh, um, yesterday. Um, let's see what else. Uh, I feel like uh, for Alabama State, I think Coach Robinson they need to take the training wheels off of Demetrius Davis. And my last take is uh, my last two takes is uh, North Carolina Central is who we thought they were, and Grambling still ain't gonna get that dude back on their helmet. Nah. <laughs> but uh, uh, other than that, man, I, I feel one. The, like I said, the third take. I feel like uh, Alabama State needs to take the training wheels off of Demetrius Davis. Because I feel like he's being hamstrung in, in that type of offense that they got right now. Um, like, because I feel like he could do, you know, he could do more in part uh, with his playmaking ability. And I just feel like they just they just need to let him loose, and they could probably score more than what they can. I think they're a little bit like I was talking about on the last call. I really do. I think they're worried about his injury and also mm-hmm. him missing so much time. He lost a lot of crucial time building chemistry with the offense, building repertoire with the coaching staff, things like that. They're going to have to still ease them back into things. But this week, man, if you don't take the training wheels off, they have no shot against Jackson. State. I don't think they have right. much of a shot anyway. But if you play conservative against Jackson State, it's going to be bad. But – He's young. He's got plenty of time. This is year one. Right. He's probably got two more years in the system. Man, we'll, we'll see. I think the better judge will be what does he look like next year and what does he look like at the end of the year? Because this weekend, I just urge people, like I said with the Jamari Jones at Valley, do not judge Demetrius Davis what happened based on what happens this weekend. You've got to judge him right. based on what happens in the Magic City Classic. Uh, one of the games coming up, don't judge them based on what happens against the Jackson State defense. That's going to be light years better than any defense he sees the rest of the season. And my other my, my other question for you is, um, um, as far as what you see with Grambling, what is the other than the quarterback play? What is the other biggest thing that they need to to that they need help on? As far as a team, I think it's just getting healthy, man. Because like every big offensive weapon that they were supposed to have just isn't playing. Like, what what has happened to Maurice Washington? Uh, from what I heard, uh, until he he's been out with a leg injury. That's their best offensive uh, weapon. A- Faison. Hasn't really played. I mean, you just go down the list, and then I also don't think the offensive line is as good as everyone thought it was going to be, and it puts a lot of pressure on the defense. The defense is playing well at times. It's just they're consistently on the field, and they wear down. I don't think they have the depth in year one of Hugh Jackson to carry a team, and I think Grambling's just got to get healthy, and I think this offseason they're going to have to take a long, hard look and bring it in a legit offensive coordinator because I don't think Simon at the end of the year is going to be able to keep that role right now, at least, unless something major changes moving forward. Yeah, and I think he – and I think also with, with Grambling, uh, I think he – like I said, I, I, I said it before, he needs uh, – Coach Jackson needs like a couple more recruiting classes 
to get to you know to get that team back up to par. Because uh, people, you know, I think the fans expected for them for him to like bring in one recruiting class and try to you know perform a miracle, in which you know, you know, and I know that's not you know that that can't happen unless you know that can't happen. But they just need to bring in you know they need to bring in like at least two more uh, recruiting classes and then they should be fine. And I get what you're saying. They should be fine if, as far as the O-line and trying to get a new, you know, if they need to get a new uh, offensive coordinator, in which we can go right back to it. If our Browns would have stayed at Grambling, it might be a whole different situation <laughs> with him being, you know, calling the plays for, for, for the offense. But and that's all I have to go. That's all I have to say about that. Good show, though, bro. Appreciate you, man. In time. Six two two five. You're live. Hey, what's up, bro? What's good, man? What's up, man? Hey, I'm I'm here to talk about uh, Campbell and uh, how big they were. Uh, and how it was a matchup nightmare for uh, North Carolina uh, Central. How do you feel that it will? Um, how do you feel the matchup with Jackson State? How, do you feel like um, that's that's a game we, we we need to be worried about? Listen, uh, I, I've said this so so many times. Any given weekend, anybody can be beat, especially if. You don't come out here. You don't come out on the field and play your best game. I think there's this weird perception sometimes where I think people sometimes use the wrong terminology. I don't know if worry is the right word. You should always anticipate that your opponent can beat you, unless it's let's yeah. be honest, Valley stood no chance at beating them, and yet there might be another team on the schedule that shall not be named that I don't think has a chance at all. But Campbell's good enough where. If Jackson State doesn't play their best game, they can beat them. Just like Tennessee State, even though they lost to a D2 team this past weekend when Jackson State didn't play their best game, Tennessee State had a chance to win. And I think that's what it comes down to. If Campbell is well-coached enough and Campbell has real athletes at key positions and experienced quarterback, if Jackson State doesn't come out and play 100%, it's going to be a game. And I think – that's week in, week out what it is. Okay. Okay. I appreciate, I appreciate it, bro. Hey, appreciate you, man. All right, man. But, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I do want to say, man, appreciate all the Campbell people I got to meet, man. Um, it was it was a great trip. Uh, hated driving through the hurricane, but um, and it, it was well worth it. And make sure to check out the highlights and the post game press conference on the page right now, man. It was one of the last videos we posted, and also um, and also on top of that, um, photos dropping tomorrow on the website along with the top twenty five article, man. But let's get to this top twenty five real quick. We're gonna wrap up the show with y'all's comments and questions and uh, last second phone calls, but not a lot of changes to the top part. One through nine stayed the same. North Dakota State, South Dakota State, Montana, Montana State, Sac State, Delaware, Jackson State, Weber State, Holy Cross, all held firm. Chattanooga, after the win over ETSU, jumps to 10. 
And um, it was mostly due to Missouri State falling out of the top 10 due to their loss. Mercer at 11, Incarnate Ward at 12. Samford jumps all the way up to 13 over their win, um, after their win over Furman, which they looked extremely impressive. UT Martin sticks at 14. Southeastern Louisiana at 15 after a big win this weekend over Murray State. Elon jumps to 16 after their win over Richmond. Southeast Missouri State moves up to 17. Southern, uh, Southern Illinois at 18. William & Mary at 19. North Dakota making one of the biggest jumps from unranked to 20th after their big win, a double-digit win over Missouri State. Fordham, a new team in the top 25, jumping jumping to 21. They're sitting at 4-1, and one, had another impressive win this weekend. Tim Demorat, hashtag Tim Demorat for Heisman, but nah, he, he probably, right now he is the consensus favorite for the Walter Payton Award. Rhode Island jumps back into the top 25 at 22. Richmond falling to 23 after the loss to Elon. I did not drop Richmond out of the top 25. They've had a solid resume, and it was a double overtime loss in which they played Elon extremely well, and I still think Richmond is a top 25 team. Missouri State falling all the way from 10 to 24. The reason Missouri State didn't drop all the way out, they still have a top 15 win over UT Martin. They still look great over Central Arkansas, and that's the reason they're over Austin P, who dropped to 25 after their loss. But the fact that Missouri State beat Central Arkansas and that two Austin P lost to, I dropped Austin P to 25, Missouri State to 24. Some honorable mentions. Campbell is right outside. I need to see Campbell win a uh, win another conference game. Man, their wins right now over the Citadel NCCU. If they win out, in my opinion, they should be ranked somewhere between 20 and 25 going into that Jackson State game. If they win their next two games, I just need to see. Campbell win uh, win a few more games, man. And then Idaho is the next team out. Their only losses were to FBS schools. They've been really rolling here. I just want to see how they look moving forward in big sky play before I put them into the top 25. And so that's my top 25, man. Not a lot of changes at the top. A lot of shuffling between about 13 to 25. But, man, the top nine I think are the top nine teams that you're going to see moving forward. Holy Cross is making a real strong case to move up a little bit higher after their win over Harvard, but we'll see, man. They they get a big matchup with Fordham later this year, um, and I, I'm extremely, extremely excited to see what's happening, man. Sean, you have no idea. So listen, just a little story time. Listen, I was safe, so it's it's cool to look back now that now that I was safe. But it was stupid, man. I got into South Carolina, and so I, I stayed outside of Atlanta, just outside of Atlanta, on Thursday night to do the roundtable with Scotty. Man, I left, and I was like, I'm going to beat this storm. I'm going to just book it. We're, we're not stopping. We're going to drive through this thing, man. I'm going to be able to beat it. Man, that hurricane, it was still a Cat 1, hit South Carolina. And I got a picture on my phone. I'll have to load it up and, and show it on the next live stream. I drove right through the aisle of the storm on, like, complete accident. And there were, like, three or four times on the interstate where we had to stop because trees fell down across the interstate and the cops and like people had to get out and clear the trees out of the interstate, man. It was, it was a wild experience to, to see, man. But uh, that's why I was saying, I really hope everyone down in Florida was safe because it was bad. Um, It was bad up in South Carolina, but man, uh, but yeah, everything was safe. Uh, Don't recommend it, but Hey, we got there. Don't have any videos, man. Definitely focused on driving. Don't understand Elon JSU and Weaver state rankings. Uh, T, do you think Weaver should be higher or um, like do you, or do you just say that Jackson State and Weaver should flip? And, man, Elon's had an amazing year. I don't know what you don't understand about Elon's rankings. Hang on. Let me pull up their schedule. Elon's 
been extremely impl- impressive, man. They're three and one right now. I think, and their only loss was an FBS school, and they they've looked impressive in their win over Wofford. They beat William and Mary, and they beat Gardner Webb, beat Richmond to so four and one. My bad. I mean, they've looked extremely impressive. So I don't I don't know why you're not on the Elon bandwagon. If NCAT had a quarterback, do you think NCAT would win the Big South? Probably. I think that that's the difference is I trust Hodge Malik to make a play, and I don't trust either of the quarterbacks for NCAT to make a play when it really, really counts. Uh, don't count out Sac State, Weaver, or Delaware yet, even though I agree with you. I think Delaware, Ron, is really the dark horse in the playoffs. If if Nolan Henderson keeps playing like he's playing and that defense lives up to the hype, Delaware could be a bracket wrecker for people and really make another run into that final four. Most state will be, I don't I don't know if most state's gonna have the defense, Dave, to be honest. The most beautiful, the the most beautiful. Um I, okay, I think Imperial, I think you're talking about Montana State. Uh, Montana has not played Eastern Washington, but yeah, Montana State at number four. I agree. If I had to pick a team out of the top, it, the top five to lose first, I think Montana State is probably the most vulnerable. The other the other four teams have not shown many uh, has not have not shown many weaknesses. So if Campbell beats JSU, where you place them in Alcorn with those wins? In t- um, in terms of like the top twenty five. Um, Jay, I'm just coming. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the top 25 is what you were talking about. Uh, let's see. It's because Davidson plays in the Pioneer League. Uh, they got no scholarships, so folks don't place them highly. Yeah, Delaware is not. Um, uh, let's see. I was impressed with Campbell's secondary. Who do you think has a better secondary? Jackson State has a deeper secondary. Roosevelt. That's not a question. Campbell. Campbell has a lot of experience. I feel like. Um, but I think overall talent-wise, you got to give it to Jackson State. Now, Miles Rouser is legit. I think Miles Rouser right now can play at Jackson State. I, I don't care what people say. Y'all can argue. You can argue with your friends. You can argue with the wall. Miles Rouser w- would start at safety for Jackson State. He's better than Shiloh, better than Greg Great. I, I think he's better than Cam. Miles Rouser would start at Jackson State at safety, and I, I will. I'll argue that to the death. He's he is a better talent, especially as a true freshman. Miles Rouser would play at Jackson State. I agree, but it still matters. Yeah, injuries are the hardest thing to to go on. Elon should be higher. Who would you uh, – where would you put on T? Because, I mean, you could probably argue – it's just, man, Southeastern, they got two losses, but, man, there were two FBS losses, and they've looked impressive, including that win over in, Incarnate Word. I, I guess you can argue maybe UT Martin over El, uh, Elon over them, but, man, Sanford's are in their spot. Mercer, Chattanooga, I don't know how much higher you could have them, but I think top 15 you could maybe make an argument. Charleston Southern, Robert Morris are both, <coughs> excuse me, uh, both winless. Campbell might jump. I agree. If Campbell wins the next two, um, if they win the next two, they should possibly uh, be ranked. How is Weaver under JSU? <sighs> T, I, I mean, Weber beat Utah State. I got you. But listen, if Weber goes into big sky play and pulls off a series of wins, they'll jump Jackson State. Just going to just going to uh, give, give you that. But I still have questions about Weber right now. Listen, I know they beat Utah State, but ask Sam Herder, ask anybody. FBS wins don't always dictate how teams play in FCS play. I still need to see Weber State in big sky play. And they do have that D2 win. And I mean, honestly, I, I think outside of that Utah State 
game. They haven't beat anyone that's super, super impressive right now. Alcorn's not getting the top 25. When we're healthy, Montana State will be a difficult out. Top 25. So if Campbell beats Jackson State, was your question. And guys, I'm not predicting this. I just want to make sure because people will try to take me out of context and be running around saying blue predicted Campbell beating Jackson State. So if that happened, JM, I was at it would depend on, you know, what if Campbell was four and two coming in, Campbell would have a chance to potentially be top 20, as crazy as it sounds. But Jackson State, due to due to the schedule, that being their only rank game, Jackson State would probably fall outside the top 20 if they lost to Campbell, JM, to be honest with you. I think JSU will exploit Campbell's young secondary. Campbell's O-line will be the best JSU sees all season. Yeah, that freshman is a pro. Um, what is going on with Tennessee State? Did, did they lose some? Yeah, they lost their quarterback. They they got some defensive injuries that um that <clears throat> that they're having to over overcome. So yeah, injuries are playing a large part in what's happening with uh Tennessee State. You can argue with your friend. <laughs> Oh man! Almost said you can argue with your mom, with, with your mom, but you know I didn't want people to be sensitive about it. But which FCS schools are in danger of losing their coaches? So I so just in terms of what I've heard, Matt Entz is going to be Matt Entz is going to be mentioned with a lot of jobs. The North Dakota State head coach, especially with all these Midwest openings coming open, I've heard Mike Minter even mentioned for a job. We'll see if he if he gets that opportunity. You know, of course, Deion Sanders is has been mentioned with every opening. Um, but I think those three are probably the the biggest choices. Michael are Prom, Matt Entz, and Minter. Um, even though Minter, I guess, doesn't have the history behind it, but I think due to this, his recruiting success, he might be put on some <clears throat> on some radars, especially when you look at that Coastal Carolina job coming open potentially. The Grids have to play Sac State, but Montana State doesn't. UT Martin switches. Okay, that's fair enough, T. I don't, I don't have any problem with that. Weaver State has to play the Cats, Grizz, and Sac State. Weaver isn't going to climb any higher. Uh, all course, not that good. Oh, Jesus. Blue Bulls predicted JSU lost to Campbell. Spread the rumor. Harvard. Um, I know Dartmouth is getting a lot of <clears throat> a lot of uh, hype. I think Harvard is the best overall team in the in the Ivy League. I think. When you look at the D-line, the running game, some of the wide receivers, including uh, like Kim Wimberly and even the secondary, man, they, they might have the best corner um, in Alex Washington in the Ivy League, too. I think Harvard is the team to beat in the Ivy League right now. And I, I think Harvard wins the Ivy League if I had to make a prediction right this second, Mr. G. Styles makes fight. Styles is best to win a JSU Campbell game. It, it's going to... I don't think okay. So um, you got to let's just take with the information we have now. Jackson State has not seen an offensive line as big as Campbell, nor um, nor a quarterback as experienced as Haj Malik. So that's going to be an interesting matchup. But at the same time, you could flip it and say Campbell hasn't seen a quarterback like Shador, which they haven't and probably won't. They haven't they haven't seen the defensive line that's probably as talented as what they're going to see against Jackson State. And they also are not going to build they're not going to deal with such a physical athletic secondary that they're going to see against Jackson State either. I still think Jackson State on paper should win that game, Roosevelt, but they're going to have to play a good game. I don't think that's one of the games because there's some games on Jackson State's schedule. I think they could sleepwalk through. You cannot sleepwalk against Campbell, and they're going to have to play a really, really good game to come out there with a win. 
yeah, Campbell Center did play with a broken hand, by the way. At the starting center, if you go back and look, had a club on his hand. It was because he had a broken hand. I agree. He hasn't had the best record, but nowadays with how important recruiting is, some coaches are going to some coaches are going to get opportunities just because they can recruit Calvin. Mentor would be great at Coastal Carolina. It said Alcorn was going to run through the SWAC last year, too. Like, all, like I don't – Sonny who said Alcorn was running through the SWAC last year? I, I can't remember anybody who predicted Alcorn to win the West last year, unless I missed it, I, I might be, or unless you're talking about just, like, running the football. I think Campbell needs some winning seasons first before moving to FBS. Campbell hasn't seen a D-line like JSU. If Hunter is healthy, JSU wins big. Thurman's going to have a, a field day. Wait till the weekend uh, before wait wait until the week before the JSU game to ask people. Man, okay, I'm just gonna tell you, Lawrence. I'm gonna be 100 percent honest. That week, that Campbell Jackson State game is going to be one of the longest weeks of my life. I'm just gonna. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I absolutely love it. But it is going to be the longest week of my life because. Every single show, regardless of what I'm talking about, regardless of, of what we're doing, it's going to be like, hey, that offensive line. Hey, Hodgman League Williams. Hey, Julian Hill. Hey, um, uh, Miles Rouser. Uh, hey, what, it's Travis Hunterback. Hey, is uh, what about Malachi Wobbin? Or, hey, what is the Shador going to do against this Campbell secondary? That game has so much anticipation, and it, it's, it's crazy to think that um, – uh, HBCU game day was at Big South Media Day for uh, was at Big South Media Day for A&T and their Campbell stuff had more views and more clicks than like their articles on A&T because people were so excited just to hear what Campbell had to say because they were on the schedule at Jackson State. They were the only non-HBCU on the schedule. So it's going to be extremely interesting. I'm so excited for that game. I'm going to try my best to be there. I talked to the Campbell SID, and he's going to hopefully try to help me get credentialed for that game so I can go to Jackson and cover it. If not, I might just have to cover it remote, man. We, we know uh, – we know what's going on with the SID over it in, in Jackson, and it, it is what it is. But um, we're going to see. We're going to see what happens. I'm going to try to be my. Har- I'm going to try my hardest to be in Jackson that weekend. He said, "All core people." <laughs> oh man, what th- uh, what three teams in the SWAC has the weakest schedule? Oh man, I don't know, Russell. I'll have to look. Listen, I'll do my research and I'll answer that on my FCS preview. Uh, what Wednesday night? But I'll do my research. I don't know off the top of my head. Campbell battle all four quarters. Uh, all four quarters. JSU never had anyone challenge from all four quarters. He said only all core folks. Said that. That's fair enough. That's fair enough, Mr. Campbell. All corn PV moved to November 4th, Friday night, ESPN Plus, and JSU Texas Southern November 5th. Oh. So all corn PV is playing on Friday now. That's going to be interesting. That's going to be, f- I, might, I might come out for that game. I'm not going to lie. Now that's on Friday night, I might, I might try to get to that game. They said starting the A. Oh, that's right. They started. That's right. And then Central, you know, handled them in the in the Miak Swag Challenge. Uh, that's why it's going to be a good game. I, I, I agree with that, T. I definitely agree. I think I, neither team has seen someone that stylistically offers some of the challenges that either one's going to offer. I agree, Blue. JSU can't have three turnovers and beat Campbell. Definitely, definitely agree with that. 
think FAMU's underachieving this season. They're showing no fire with slow starts. Sad thing is the SWAC is too poorly close to exploit. We're an 8-3, 7-4 team. FAMU, FAMU should win out. I agree. Uh, I don't see anyone right now on FAMU's schedule that should be able to beat them. Better get your five-hour energy ready. I <laughs> I definitely will. Wildman's off of suspension. Uh, Blue Bloods. You know, man, Jaleel McLaughlin is legit. T, I agree. Listen, and uh, T, you, you'll respect it. So people got mad at me that I had Jaleel McLaughlin as an All-American. I'm like, he is he is a top four running back in the in, in the FCS easily. I don't understand how you could argue differently, but they're all on the Isaiah Davis hype train, which is fair. But I think Jaleel McLaughlin is just as good as any running back in the country right now. The SID um, is the sports information director. It's usually the person or the director of athletics or whatever is the person that handles all the uh, all the credential requests, media requests, regardless of what it is. So anytime I say SID, I'm talking about the sports information director or whoever handles the sports media for each team. Uh, let's see. NDSU didn't blow out Youngstown. It was penalties late lining up. It was his back QB play too. T. If if Youngstown had a good quarterback, that game could have been way closer. Teams that don't have to play JSU or FAMU, so a team in the West who has the weak schedule. <laughs> oh man, anyone who has PB on their schedule and not JSU, I like the way Coach Finner still puts emphasis on high school. I, I I love it too, man. In the age of the transfer portal it's really refreshing that he's able to recruit high school the way he is. And if he can develop miles into a draft pick, and they also had another borderline four-star defensive tackle. I think it was Paul Hudson that came in. He's legit too. And he had a, he had a big game this weekend and he looked really, really good at defensive tackles. So they got some guys that I think could make some waves at the FCS. Once they start developing PV has the weakest swag schedule. Land had a sack and I think two tackles for lost pairs. He, he, he had, he had a solid day. Let's say JSU dominates Campbell. Uh, Campbell, what happens to JSU in your rankings? I think it just depends on what happens above them. Uh, and also, and I keep saying, because it's hard to predict what's going to happen in the rankings four weeks from now. Because if Campbell, let's just say Campbell loses their next two games, then I, I don't know how that really impacts. Because I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, it's going to be really hard to convince me Jackson State deserves to jump Delaware, Sac State, Montana, Montana State, South Dakota State, and North Dakota State. It is because they're, all those teams are going to start playing these ranked conference opponents and things are going to get real tricky. And the, the question becomes, is, is a Delaware team that just beat Elon and Jackson State blows out Campbell, I'm still keeping Delaware, who just beat a, a, a ranked Elon over Jackson State. So we'll see. I, it's going to be hard to predict rankings four weeks away. We'll see what the top teams do, and we're going to see what Campbell comes into Jackson State as. So I, I can't predict what's going to happen in the rankings um, that, far, that far away right now, to be honest, because in, upsets can happen. North Dakota State could drop three in a row by chance, and then we're having a whole different conversation. Or South Dakota State could have a starting quarterback get hurt. So I, I feel um, I, I, like it, that's a hard prediction to make. Uh yeah, he averaged eight and eight and a half yards per carry. T. I don't know. That's just what the comment said. I, I don't know if that's that's, that's a fact. Uh, yeah, Youngstown's QB. They got they got to get a new one. I I don't think so. I don't think you can leave one of the best conferences and go to the OVC, especially with the future of the OVC. Because Murray State's jumping into the MVFC next year. Uh, Youngstown should not leave uh, the MVFC. Um, I talked. I talked about AT a little bit earlier. I, I think 
they won a game they were supposed to. It was really good to start off in conference play. The question is, I, I just don't, I, I don't know. The quarterback position is my biggest question mark for AT. I don't know what that's going to look like. And in the big games, when you play Campbell, when you play some of the top teams on your schedule, you're going to have to have better QB play. And if people load the box, is AT going to be able to throw the ball efficiently? And that's, that's going to be my question. Who would you like to see JSU play next year? Um. Oh man, Rick, you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna get people heated at me because they're gonna be like, "Well, Blue's only saying this because of this." But if I had to, <laughs> if I had to say a team, I think a reasonable opponent for them would be someone in the southeast, someone that has you know a chance to be ranked. I think a good a, a really good matchup for Jackson State next year would be a Southeastern Louisiana or an incarnate word, or I think even a Mercer, if you go up there and play Mercer right outside of Atlanta or, and get a home and home goal in between them, it would be great. Sanford's right there in Alabama. You can play. That's a ranked team. UT Martin. I think any of those type of games would be good. There's too many good teams in the Southeast footprint that Jackson state can play. So I think I would say Southeastern incarnate word, Sanford Mercer would, would, would be some teams on that list that I, I would like to see them potentially schedule a home and home with, or, or just get a game in JSU will probably get no higher than seven. I thought he played, I, I thought he played decent. Um, I think he, what if he had, uh, let me look it up. He had four catches for 83 yards, had a big 30 yard reception. I don't think he's playing at an all American level, but he's, he's playing decent. I, I, I still need more from him, especially being a first team, all American, but he's also limited a little bit about by his quarterback play. So I think Everett did, did enough this weekend where I'm not going to, I'm not going to be too down on him. JSU versus UTC is a fun matchup. I agree with that. JSU versus Kennesaw. Folks got mad at me on last night uh, when I said, uh, <laughs> Mr. Campbell's catching all the flag. I, I think that's a fair criticism. JSU versus Mercer incarnate word, East Tennessee, JSU schedules all set for 2023. Swack Act Challenge, Texas State, SU, unless we move to pod scheduling. Yeah, that's the because they're going to play South Carolina State in the MEAC, uh Swack Challenge, if I'm not mistaken. And I think that in I think Texas State is a winnable FBS game for them. I like to see Alcorn play Austin P, TSU, UT Martin. I, I don't mind that Austin Austin P is an interesting one too. I kind of forgot about them, but yeah, Austin P would be. A solid one. When will you see a Miat versus Miat game start next week until season end? Um, I'll have to look at the schedule, Russell. I'm going to try to make it to South Carolina State, North Carolina Central um, in, a, in a conference matchup. That's probably the only Miat versus Miat one I'll be going to. Uh, how do you how do you think Jack State would do with one more recruiting class with a team like Rutgers? I mean, I think they you could probably compete with Rutgers right now. Um there's there's a lot of uh, people forget. Okay, this isn't just a, a Jack State thing. Like if you're in the top 15, or really even the top 25 of FCS, there are multiple matchups with FBS schools that you that are winnable. And I, I think Jackson State being seven should be able to compete with some of these some of these uh, FBS teams. So I don't even think it's a one more recruiting class thing. It's just man, if you're in the top if you're in the top of the FCS. 
you should be able to compete and if not win some of these games. When you look at what Weaver State did, when you look at what Delaware did, when you look at what Incarnate Word did, when, you, when you've seen what North Dakota State did outside of this year, when you look at how South Dakota State competed with Iowa, like there are teams that can really compete on a high level at the FBS level, and I think Jackson State's in that conversation. Kennesaw, yeah, Kennesaw looks terrible this year, and that goes back to quarterback uh, quarterback controversy, man. The fact that they benched Xavier Xavier is is insane to me. I never saw that coming, but yeah, Kennesaw just can looks like uh, they're getting exposed a little bit this year. To be honest with you, JSU should schedule Florida State, Miami. All right, Jesus Christ, <laughs> not only three conference spots we can schedule. Um, the NCAA allows the FCS to go to 12 in 2024, Calvin. So um, the FCS teams can move to a 12 teams schedule, a 12-game schedule in 2024. Uh, South Carolina State can beat us this weekend. Um, the schedule shows JSU versus TSU in Memphis in 2023. I just don't think they've changed out. I, I don't think that's the case. Uh, let's see. Agreed. Rutgers is hot. <laughs> Cheeks and I've seen enough Rutgers. I know how horrible they are. <laughs> oh man, Sac State is serious. They do choke. That's the one thing with like Missouri, with Missouri State, with Sac State, with uh, even Holy Cross. Like some of these teams that are you see up top, they play so well in the regular season, and then they just choke it away in the playoffs. So that's the question, Marcus. Can some of these teams compete when it really matters? When it because it's different being a good team in September and October than being a good team in November and December when like everything's on the line and, and you're going for a championship. I don't know if Travis plays this week, Rick. I'm sure someone's going to ask tomorrow in the press conference with Prom, and I'm sure he will answer. But I would expect to see Travis one of these next two weeks if I had to guess just off the top of my head. But he's going to come back when he's when he's ready. Yeah, twenty four and twenty five. You can you can have that twelve game uh, schedule. Uh, let's see. Let me try to catch up with some of these comments. There was a question that I missed. Um, do you think the Patriot League? I do think the Patriot League will have two bids. Ao. Um, I think Fordham has a good enough resume right now because Fordham has two CAA wins. They lost to an FBS school by one possession, and they got Tim Demorat, who's going to create a lot of hype, um, uh, hype behind that bid. So I do think that uh, Fordham can get in. I do think Holy Cross probably wins the league again. And uh, you know, I, I, right now, I, I do think the Patriot League could potentially have two teams in the playoffs. Uh, let's see. That's that's going to be the question is what that schedule looks like moving forward. I'm really really excited for games to start being announced um, for for everything, man. But I'm gonna wrap this up, man. Y'all get y'all's last few comments in, man. Let me go back through real quick in case you were uh, just tuned into the show, man. Lindsey Scott, Sean Chambers, and Gino Hess were my three offensive player of the weeks. Jalen Thomas was an honorable mention from Sanford after three touchdowns on five carries. Zeke Vandenberg, Tory Hargrove, and Nathan East were my three defensive player of the weeks. Um, Montana State, big win over UC Davis. Sam Houston State squeaking out a close one in the Battle of Piney Woods over Stephen F. Austin. Chattanooga storming the comeback against ETSU. Holy Cross beating Harvard, getting revenge from last season. 
NDSU getting a big win over Youngstown, North Dakota pulling off a giant upset over top 10 Missouri State, Sanford proving that they're legit against Furman in a big win, U- UCA pulling up a top uh, pulling off a top 25 upset over Austin P, Sacred Heart beating Norfolk State, P uh PV putting one on Grambling man. No G this week for Grambling. Uh, FAMU 34-7 over Valley. Yale beating Howard. No surprise there. Campbell putting a beat down on Central Men. I had a blast. Make sure to check out the highlights and the press conference after the show. 48-18 and Elon winning a big overtime game over Richmond. Here's the top 25. I'm going to have the article with um, all the analysis and everything that um, even more than I gave tonight on my top 25 and what's coming next. Already submitted my ballot, so nothing's going to change on that. Also, photo gallery for Campbell versus NCCU drops on our website, man. Make sure to check that out. Uh, been putting in a lot of work uh, at these games, trying to give you all the give you all the best content for, at the FCS level, man. I can, but listen, I will be back. Coach's Corner this week. We're going to have a special guest. I can't say who. He's from the Campbell coaching staff. I'll just say that he's going to help us recap the Campbell versus NCCU game. Then me and Coach Fred are going to preview some of the biggest games of week six coming up. Man, I can't believe the season's flying by like this. Also, the roundtable this week, FCS preview coming on Wednesday night. Also, stay tuned for press conference updates from across the FCS right here on the Blue Bloods, man. But up until next time, y'all have a good one, man. But for right now, I am out.